If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites according to a recent Indeed survey. With Indeed, everything hiring is all in one place and it makes it so easy. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences each day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. The more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join the more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Indeed.com slash podcast. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Demolitions! Yeah! <laughs> mm. Demolitions! I think that's a pretty good name. I'm happy with it. <laughs> so, Demolitions is the name. What is the yeah. game, Mark? Well, the game is that we review our own first demos, and then in a perfect world, we review your first demos as well. Sweet. If you want to be so bold as to Easy. give us that power. <laughs> Get your finger out, send us your demos, and we will affectionately rip them to pieces whilst pointing out token moments that aren't entirely awful uh, to seem balanced. But <laughs> largely, it's a thinly veiled excuse to absolutely rag on your teenage creative efforts. Yeah, yep. it's, it's, it's bullying, really. But, yeah. you know, as much as people piss and moan about bullying, it is sometimes really funny. And so people do that. And yeah. we feel it's only fair to put our heads on the block first and that's what this episode of <laughs> Demolitions <laughs> is uh, we have dug out and I mean under duress because there was <laughs> it took a, a long time <laughs> a fair bit of pressure applied to get these guys to actually upload their demos I mean uh, can you blame us <laughs> I, I couldn't until I'd heard them I was going. To, I was going to say uh, it'd be really good to have a trailer for this. <laughs> like yeah. the, the voiceover movie guy. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe quite funny. It's really yeah, good to have a, a bin for that. So the three records that we'll be going through, and so uh, I'm I'm thinking chronologically. First up, Chris. What was your oh. band called? No, no. But first up, what was your band called, and when did you record it? My band was called Dead or American. Uh, 
And well, I mean, it's not completely dead, but uh, we release very, very sporadically these days. Uh, but yeah, our first demo was recorded uh, in late 2000. We we became a band properly. Uh, our drummer Rich joined in January of 2000, and that was the sort of final lineup to some extent. And uh, yeah, then we did it. We cut a demo over like a couple of recording sessions. It's quite a long demo. It's like seven tracks. Yeah. Um, <laughs> okay. Yeah. And um, we were prolific. We'd been writing a lot of stuff. So how um, old were you all at this point? Uh, I was in my late teens. Like I was, when we first started it, I was like 18, 19. Okay. So this isn't a high school band. This is like... Well, Rich, Rich was 15, I think. And he was... I mean, on the demo, you can probably hear the sound of his Kappa tracksuit rubbing off itself <laughs> as he's drumming. He was a full card-carrying Ned. Uh, me and Colin were total grunge kids. Um, Mark, what what era was yours and what was the band? I was in a band called Always Until Victory. Powerful, powerful, yeah. <laughs> Emotional <laughs> title. Well, take it, taken from the Che Guevara uh, saying of "Hasta la Victoria siempre," which means always until the victory. Um, Hasta la Victoria siempre. Siempre, yeah. I'll yeah. be back. Mm. Uh, and I was, I think, when I record this, is, this was not our. F- first demo but I couldn't find our actual first one song demo that I recorded in a fucking practice room and it sounded like complete trash which I really wanted you guys to hear it was just one song but I couldn't find it which is a bummer that is a bummer <laughs> total yeah. bummer man so this was the second thing we did um, recorded in 2004 I was 19 2004 2005 I was 19 when we recorded 2005 I turned 20 in December that year so yeah 2005 uh, and yeah, recorded it with my guitar teacher at the time, who was not a, who was not particularly into the kind of music we played, whatever that was. Um, the the other singer slash lead guitar player was uh, my best friend Callum McCormick, who is a subscriber to this podcast, so is now hearing this, <laughs> is now listening to this. Uh, uh, is there any reason you recorded with your guitar instructor? Uh, well. He's the one that had Cubase on his computer. <laughs> well, I, obviously, I'd, I'd played, I'd, I'd had a lot of lessons from him, and he had he had a lot, of, he had a lot of gear, knew what he was doing. He recorded his own records and all that. He'd done a lot of stuff, and um, so he seemed like a logical fit. The person I know that can actually do a decent job, and we'll talk about how decent the job actually was when we get to it. But <laughs> I felt at the time he could have done a decent job, um, and I'll, I'll, I can tell you about the story of recording it when when we get to it. But yeah, my pal Callum uh, after. After we broke up, he went on to do his PhD in political philosophy. He's now a, now a uh, teacher, uh, or lecturer, rather. Um, Ants moved to Slovenia, um, has now got a Wayne, lives there with his missus, and Doug, the drummer, was a friend of Ants' friend. Yeah, And Ants had been in bands before. Callum Knight was our first band. Doug had been in bands before. He was older. He was like 30 at the time, or almost 30. Um, Can I point out one of the cruel ironies of this particular episode of the podcast? Mm-hmm. The, the stuff you're talking about, nobody gives a fuck. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, that was that's the background to the record. Um, it was actually it was actually called Unified Discourse as well. We called it Unified Discourse, but it oh, it had the name. It was like a it was a yeah. two track yeah a two track demo <laughs> that has another name. Yeah, it was, wow. it was a shit name. So I end up when I believe it, I end up not putting it 
I'm not putting that as a name, but yeah, it was called Unified Discourse. Uh, you didn't get away with that. Yeah. No, I didn't. <laughs> well, Massively. of course, mine is uh, the much anticipated Weaver's High School Band. Yeah. <laughs> And I was I was 16 when I recorded this, not like you old fucking 19 year old granddads. Yeah, you've got a layer of excusability. And I was we were 14 when we formed Dimmer, uh, mm. 17 when we split up. Um, that sounds it. Yep. <laughs> Pretty much, but hey, we recorded this on the back of winning the the high school talent contest. This is the nice. prize. Oh, was this done with the spoils? Yeah, no, we we won a weekend in a professional recording studio. <gasps> oh fuck, Nick! You know what? We talked about this on the Christmas episode, yeah. but I was so fucking drunk that it's yeah. all just flooding mm-hmm. back to me now. And yeah. the guy, like, he was mad, and he'd never recorded a, a distorted guitar in his life. Yeah, doesn't doesn't show. Mm-hmm. Doesn't show. <laughs> Can I just say? One of the reasons, one of the reasons why I gave context to Big Ants, the bass player, is also a subscriber of this podcast. So two of, two of my best oh, pals do subscribe to this, so are listening to this. <laughs> so we, me and Dave aren't really privy to the financial side of this podcast, right? But are you telling us that basically this entire project is just supported by your ex bandmates <laughs> who, f- who, who feel so bad because they moved on with the rest of your lives and you're still living out this fucking like nineteen year old fantasy? <laughs> basically, I yeah, class. We've only we've only got two subscribers. It's the only people that are here, not these two people. <laughs> 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 Alright, so who's we listening to first? I think we should go in re- reverse chronological order So, mine was recorded in 2001 mm-hmm. When was yours? I was 2000 Well, mine was like oh, I think it was maybe November of 2000 But we brought it out in 2001 Alright, so Mark's is the most recent Yeah mm-hmm. And it's the shortest as well So it kind of makes sense, I suppose Alright, let's go for yeah. it Let's go. Um, so, Unified Discourse, the first release by Glasgow's. Wait, a con- was that a concept record? <laughs> it was definitely not a concept record. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Uh, yeah, this man. There's nothing I don't like this. Like I said to you guys earlier on, I have no inclination of listening to this ever again in my entire fucking life. So, am I correct that you, you, that's your voice? Is that that right? is me that sings. That is clearly on his voice. So, yeah, it's very clearly my song. You're reaching for <laughs> you're reaching for some notes there. <laughs> yeah, I know. He's belting it out, but yeah. I could totally tell it was him. Totally. And I think the two or three notes that you sing in it. Um, good, <laughs> good choices. I've since, I've since refined those two or three notes to a really fine point. <laughs> so, am I? Would I be? Would I be correct in saying that "Forever" came out after "Letters to Me" by Finch and "Juno" by Funeral for a Friend? Or did they rip you off? <laughs> <laughs> well, let me tell you a story about those two songs, right? So I don't know if you guys have noticed, but the song Blackout is basically a rip-off of Accidents by Alex and Fire. <laughs> And 
That's the exact same chord progression I wrote, I wrote that one That's how I know That's how I know it was a rip-off <laughs> By Alex and Fire um, And then Forever was written by Callum uh, And he was a big fan for a Friends fan Hence why I know it was a rip-off of Juno So yeah. Yeah, that's, <laughs> It's interesting I mean I think like, So Blackout's the first one on it right Because obviously yeah. you guys dumped these in folders And so they, uh, they don't automatically sequence necessarily Yeah that's correct Um Certainly, like it starts with like a clever use of like different time signatures between the guitar and the drums. It creates that really unsettling effect. Of, like <laughs> two different, two different songs happening at once. That's what we're going for, man. Yeah, yeah. Polly Rhythm. Think about it. Think about it. Yeah, think about it. The wee guy. <laughs> um, so wait a minute. That that fucking snare drum, man. That's pretty wild. That's kind of like one of those really cracky sort of like new metally snare drum sounds. Like maybe almost. Not helmet, but like a bit more hardcore. It's kind of a, a strange choice. I mean, I don't actually, I, I don't mind it, but it's unusual. Well, that was a snare drum that was that was attached to the drum kit that was sitting in Berkeley too. Right. <laughs> it was right. not. A, it was not a <laughs> deliberate choice. It's not a deliberate choice. It's a long drum, process. Though. Then <laughs> it was just what happened to be there. <laughs> just, just find the sticks in the flare, eh? <laughs> For pretty much, eh? <laughs> the only thing, the only thing Robert brought was the cymbals, so and the snacks, obviously. But <laughs> well, the, the engineer certainly made prominent use of those cymbals. Oh, he's, he's so, he's so dead. <laughs> Fortunately, Andy, who, I've, who I'm still good friends with, I'm an old guitar teacher, and he is fucking mental. Like he is a crazy fucking guy, man. He's a mental guy. Um, he does not subscribe to this podcast, so he will not hear this. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, I, I sometimes wonder why when you when we go to record, obviously we see it by video and Mark looks a little tired. And I'm like, why does Mark look so fucking tired? It's because you're still recovering for the chorus in this first tune. <laughs> <laughs> it's like hammering the notes so fucking hard in that chorus. like... <laughs> You're actually a better, especially at the age, you're a better singer than oh, I give you credit for. Like, <laughs> but you really, you didn't make it easy for yourself. <laughs> yeah, man, it's it's one of those things. Like, uh, you guys can probably, uh, uh, you're a, you're a singer, Chris. You know this. I don't know about you. Do. Well, you know, <laughs> I, I try. But see, see, when you're in a practice studio as a wee, as a wee guy and everything's so fucking loud, and all you do is just you're mm. trying to sing as loudly as possible to get heard mm. over the noise. That's yeah. totally where that. That's totally where that technique that. Quote, quote unquote technique came from <laughs> <laughs> yeah I mean I, you know what it, it actually makes total sense you're right and it's only as you get a little bit more mature that you start to actually realise that and temper okay. it and be able to do things that are a little bit more nuanced but turn down guys just turn the atoms down just a little bit <laughs> so fuck man who'd have thought that that annoying bastardly an engineer at those first few gigs was right turned down like, fucking hell man you think he is? it's a fascist state Let, let's write about it I mean talking of which by the way lyrics are a little bit pessimistic have you met me <laughs> <laughs> what, what beat poet were you ripping off for this one Mark uh, Alan Ginsberg probably <laughs> call back to the last episode <laughs> um, can we talk about forever
Yeah, if, if you really want to. It's That's... got that fucking skill beat. You know, like, we're going to get this yeah. a lot in this, but everybody at mm. some point has that... Skill drum beat, man. Is this song about, like, empires and stuff? Like, thematically? The reason I brought up the thing about Callum doing his PhD in political philosophy is the biggest Marxist I've ever met in my life. And... He left school when he was like 14, but his mum's like a really big socialist, so he's always been doing political philosophy, like since he was like a wee 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 guy. So he's been indoctrinated, um, not educated. Yeah, and this song's about Ariel Sharon, it's about oppression in Israel, uh, oppression of the Palestinians, the Palestinians. That's, 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 yeah, he was a bad dude. So that's what the song's about. So the, the, I actually quite like the lyric, um, I hope, I hope, something I hope that hurts when your black heart stops is like that he's. I hope your last breaths hurt. When your black heart stops. Yeah, so that's about <laughs> Ariel Sharon dying. <laughs> and also, he uses the line, taste their pain, which is yeah. pretty badass. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. I hope that you taste their pain, which, which I don't think I ever did, to be fair, before he died. He kind of got away with it. Um, are you doing the vocal trade off, or is he double tracking? I'm doing the we're doing the vocal. I'm the, I'm the lead vocal and he's doing the trade off. Right. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. It's, that's seamless, isn't it? Oh, I amazing. <laughs> you know, it's also seamless. You know, it's also seamless. The guitar solo is fucking seamless in this song as well. It's the. It's I actually a- think the guitar solo in this song is pretty cool. I genuinely got it. It works. It's almost nice. Cool idea. <laughs> <laughs> almost nice. Cool idea. Bit messy. Badly played. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's got the word fucking in it. So oh, yeah. I'm guessing it's you did Edgy as fuck. Did you do a radio mix? Um, yeah. And you also, is there like a weird reverse vocal at the end? Yeah. So I told you my guitar teacher was mental. I don't know why I put that in there. <laughs> Just did. <laughs> so. It's not bad. It's, uh, it's it, took, yeah, it took me a couple of listens to notice yeah. that it was backwards. <laughs> yeah, it was quite funny. My dad heard that and he was he, he spent ages trying to decipher it, and I was like, "No, it's just the last verse of this. It's just the last line of the song." <laughs> backwards. Join the navy. Join the navy. Vote for Corbyn. <laughs> it's um. It's pretty earnest. Uh, I, I, Have you I met me? Bit, I, 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 see, I seem to remember hearing it, actually. Really? Yeah. I'm, I'm so sorry. I was on t- I, 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 obviously, I, I kind of hoovered up demos at the time because we had a wee label and we were putting on gigs even when we were pretty young. Yeah, it's, it's, it's all right. There were a lot of bands doing that kind of thing at the time, weren't there? Mm-hmm. Eh? The band that I was in after the band that we're going to listen to just sounded like that. Because we just all listened to Funeral for a Friend mm. The Lex is on fire We did another EP after it Which which is better in every single way Still not great but better Thank fuck for that um, And there was actually a third song on this demo Called The Greatest Escapes Which we never released And I couldn't find it 
either. So it's it's, yeah. it's it's escaped to your hard drive. Yeah, I was gonna say it's convenient that how you've happened to lose half of your EPs. I thought it was the best of the three songs, to be honest. But I just uh, we never put it online because Callum <laughs> Callum was doing up some back vocals in it, and they were so bad that he'd actually turned them down quite low in the mix. So we never actually put it out. Exactly. Oh, <laughs> we're we're going to so. we're going to touch on that technique when we get to that one. Um, yeah. All right. Cool. Well, Dave, sit. Bring us to you then. Hey, oh God. Yeah, I guess so. But gave us a, a bit of the backstory. Dimmer. You know, VH1 behind the music. Oh yeah, so Dimmer, I mean, when we, we formed when none of us really had instruments, let alone could play instruments. Um, did you at least have a snare drum, unlike Mark's band? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. We did have a snare drum. Uh, the drummer was Grant. He was also like the goalkeeper, my best pal. He was, yeah, annoyingly, he was like the sportiest kid in school. And then it turned out he could also play drums. Yeah, I mean, we had a lot of fun um, playing. We started off like just doing no effects stuff and Green Day stuff, and then I think we heard Idlewild and just decided to rip off Idlewild instead. So that's interesting, right? Because straight away, is nine below the first on this one? Uh, no. So the order that it, I think the order we had was Tamar which is a type of uh, sealant uh, that was in Daniel's granny's garage. I was going to ask that, yeah. Uh, then it was Save Me, then it was Nine Below, then it was Lies. But I guess, right. we, you know, we can go in any order you want. Well, it's just, I definitely hear a lot of, like, Iron Maiden, and I know that we've Same. spoken about how into Iron Maiden you were. Oh, um, well, nine, like, yeah, Nine Below was definitely one written by me. I guess the four of us all listen to different stuff, but we were just like punks and moshers. And I listen mm-hmm. to Iron Maiden and Idlewild and At the Drive In and Pantera and Green Day and Blink One Eight Two and Corn. And then Daniel just listened to No FX. Ewan listened to Mad Caddies uh, and CKY. And then Grant. That's awful. Yeah. <laughs> and mm-hmm. then Grant just listened to. Um, I think he had the Evanescence <laughs> record, maybe. Yeah, he was Jeez. a jock. That's yeah. Funny. Um, yeah, so no, go go in the order of the go in the order of it. I mean, Tamar that starts big. Is that is is it you riffing? That's me riffing. Yeah. Well, wow, there's two man. guitars, two guitars, but I think I'm doing mm. like the main one and. You fucking mean business, don't you? Yeah. I, I'm going to play all the notes. It's got an os- it's got an offspring vibe, I think, that main riff. Like, yeah, like we listen to a lot of Smash. Yeah, yeah, I can tell. <laughs> um, it's, it's an interesting approach to the drums on it, because the engineer was the person you said hadn't recorded a rock band before. Aye, totally. And it's a really interesting technique to be able to make the cymbals sound like they're not part of the drum kit <laughs> <laughs> like, it's, you, you know how uh, Slayer I can't remember what album was it was Rain and Blood where they actually recorded their cymbals separately, yeah, separately. from the actual skins yeah. it sort of sounds like that so 
Well, and so, I mean, Grant, not only was he a good goalkeeper, uh, he was like all good at most sports and he was fast. And you can tell that he liked to go as fast as possible when drumming. And we did, mm-hmm. none of us could slow him down. So mm-hmm. it was just like, all right, let's get this fucking song finished. <laughs> that, that seemed to be the philosophy. Early on, you sort of, I mean, there's a similarity with Mark's demo in that you kind of go for a sort of, we've got three vocal notes. Mm-hmm. We're going to shuffle them around. <laughs> it's yeah. like rock, rock, paper, scissors. Yeah, that's my pal Ewan singing. So Yeah. Um, yeah, the American accent, that was the choice, right? I mean, yeah, why not? it's all over these three bands. Mark, that's actually, that's actually the accent that's native to David's land. The hard pan guitar thing was interesting as well. See if you, see if you pop out, if, if you, it's, hard, it's hard, definitely hard pan. See if you pop out your left headphone, yeah, you're just left with this like half a fucking demolish. Really. Well, we're going for this sort of Phil Spector Beatles space over there, you know, drums in one room, the guitars in the other. Yeah, so again, I mean, Mogwai brought out Come and Die Young and they put the drums all on one side so I mean it's like that it's like a different yep. record um, I think this tune must have set some pulses racing up Nong Nesma and it's like really cheeky it's got solos the drumming's pretty vigorous Like Aye, we were fucking live that. legends lads yeah. live I mean, legends I, I can see how you won that <laughs> battle of the bands that, that, did this seal the deal? Uh, I don't think we actually played that <laughs> Jesus so you won it and you play it amazing no we won it we played the. I think the two we played Save Me Lies and then we did one with a trumpet that we never recorded because uh, Ewan lost his trumpet we had like a just a fast punky one that had a wow. sort of ska trumpet one in it <laughs> do, 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 do. yeah I was just going to say Tamar is it a scream in the background or a whisper oh no right yeah there's, yeah there's something going on there which is just pure baffling that was another technique by the producer that he had on that <laughs> uh, he just got you in to just whisper loudly <laughs> and then like just Catholic. put that over the track for some reason <laughs> and that's actually appears on I think most of the tracks for some reason wow I don't know what the fuck was going on there. So, I mean, talking to save me, I was instantly transported to a world of emotion. Well, thanks, because I mean that was uh, that was lyrically important to me. I wrote the lyrics to that one in my in my Dennis the Menace autograph book. <laughs> that was my notepad. <laughs> I have written that the the vocals undulate like a gentle wave of teenage hormones. <laughs> so this one we basically melodically just ripped off "Remote Part" by Agile Wild. I said a stain to me, man. This is like a stain. I don't, song. Yeah, I, I don't think they would agree with that, and okay, I think like fine. if we can't decide whether it's Agile Wild or Stain. <laughs> Oh, somewhere in the middle then that's fine <laughs> there is no middle like, <laughs> yeah, the middle is like the middle of Pacific o- like Amelia Earhart is in the middle um, <laughs> the Marinus Trench of Emotion <laughs> vocal harmony's not that bad in it man Uh, do you know what? I think that's auto-tune. <laughs> I think that's auto-harmony. <laughs> really? I think he's just like put in a like a fifth or something on the vocal. That existed? Aye. 
Um, there exists also some distortion in the chorus. Yes, it does. <laughs> I mean, I just played with a solid state Marshall. I can tell. Yeah, yeah. yeah love those. Full mm. scoop. And yep. the guitar that I was playing was a, a Kramer. Amazing. What a setup. Like a proper shredder's machine. And it had... Yeah. <laughs> In the uh, wrong band. It had, <laughs> I, no, I just I did not want to be in this band. <laughs> um, but it had four humbuckers in it. It had a quadruple <laughs> coil uh, at the bridge. Fuck me, man. <laughs> so, you know, if you're looking for tone, tone was happening over here. <laughs> four humbuckers. There, there was Jesus definitely a Christ, tone. Man. I don't know what that tone is, but oh, I, 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 I thought the guitars, the distorted guitars sounded a bit like a jar of bees throughout. So the, the four humbuckers and the Marshall definitely, I'll just like, like, definitely yeah. contribute. Those Marshall amps were amazing because, like, half the tone was what Cherry sat it on. That was. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, there's a nice wee ambitious counter guitar line that pushes through in the second chorus. That was quite clever. Oh, yeah, thanks. Um, you're trying some stuff. But I have one question about this, right? So, uh, the line that stands out for me is please save me. Yeah. That was the one that really like hit me. Oh yeah, and did I you hear just, that? Did you get that? Yeah, I was just that? like, I was just wanting this to maybe discuss what from. Like, what was it you guys needed saved from? I must have written this when I was 14, 15. And I mean, oh, there was a lot going on in my life then, you know. And we've, all, we've all said that at some point, absolutely. And it was probably the same point, but I'm just curious what it was. I don't know. Maybe I might have had to cut my neighbor's grass. <laughs> maybe like I might have had to wash my dad's car maybe and I just I needed saviour <laughs> I needed to be saved <laughs> you know from such a harsh reality I do feel that that was the, the kind of motivating sentiment behind Mark's one as well even though they didn't they were too mature to explicitly say it mm, yeah yeah it was more po- poetic we just went for the, the kill the, between the lines yeah so like Nine Below you said was after that That's this is like the Maiden one right this is mm. like total big time Maiden in it oh yeah it was just like a rock one Yeah. yeah, that riff's pretty cool, actually. Yeah, it's all right. guys. It's, yeah, it's, it's fucking a bit, cool. It's a man. bit overcooked by the engineer, but he was probably in a lot of coke. Um, <laughs> or not. <laughs> <laughs> this is this is interesting. The vocals are like, I mean, they must be like 95% just one note. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, see, listening back, I'm like, oh, yeah, he went, he stayed on a note. Yeah, it, it, it kind of works though. That's the thing. It's like a like there is a liberal use of symbols in that track as well. And that is a that is a big big feature. It's also got the the proper flat four beat like the whole oh, time. Yeah. The yeah, way guys, like, yeah, you know, there's some something about this. All right, I was trying to be like really philosophical about it, and I think context is everything. Because see, just this track in isolation, or sorry, if you decontextualize this tune and put it in a playlist of maybe even like seventies kind of punk and proto punk and New York Dolls and early Stooges and a lot of the bands that were kicking about, I actually don't think it would sound out of place. Granted, that is a full 30-odd years <laughs> earlier, but at the same time, 
I'm not being a dick. I actually don't think it would be that bad. I think it would sound quite at home in that era. And it is kind of, it made me muse temporarily before I turned it off. Yeah, it was, it was accidental. I mean, (laughs) yeah, but I mean, it does kind of shine a light on how fucking arbitrary and subjective our, our, and, Contextual things on a pedestal, yeah. Yeah. Um, and the drop to clean guitars is awful. Let's, yes, let's be clear. Really, we all really had that as well. Bad. There's plenty oh. of that. Yeah, the yep. halftime breakdown, it had to be done. Yeah. But. Um, I love that kind of strummy high school hand pattern as well that happens in the clean thing. But I think overall that's quite a respectable tune. I'd say that's the most respectable tune covered thus far. Is there a fucking keyboard in this song? Mm, No, I don't think so. I don't know what... There's definitely a weird effect going on towards the end. That is pure engineering finesse. Yeah, it really is. It's creating those harmonies. (laughs) It's the ghost in the machine. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, as much as that's a respectable tune, Lies really is not a respectable tune. Hey, this is is genuinely the high school favourite. There's people that you know whose favourite song to this day is this song. That's absolute bullshit. Fuck off. <laughs> this is a legendary tune in All Ness Academy. <laughs> so you can say what you want, but you know, you weren't there, man. And I, and I know these people. Yeah. And I'm guessing they're not allowed a, a house within 500 yards of school. <laughs> <laughs> right. So wait a minute. This is a, a Tuchter version of like. Green Day? Cat, no, but no, no. I mean, there is a hint of like 1039, yeah, totally. But this is a Tuchter version of like a mix between the California Dreams, Pugwall, and remember Boy Meets World, that kind of thing. It's that level of American high school, but Scotchified. There's, there is a, a parochialism. To, to the <laughs> That's what we always try to add. Yeah. It's got some really Weezer-y fuzzed guitars in it, you know, the Dave Weezer. Yeah, I. It's horrible. I mean, it's really horrible. Yeah, that was our. That was like our pop punk one. Yeah, it's dreadful. Absolutely detestable one. Thanks. <laughs> you shouldn't have played it, but it's too late for that. I was just. I was going to ask why the vocals are so fucking high in their song compared to the other ones. Because <laughs> uh, when the melody's that good, how can you hide it? <laughs> Play your strengths. Um, well, you know, there you go. You give me both barrels. All right. So, uh, Chris. Yeah. Have you heard of a band called Nirvana? <laughs> I was going to go there. Is that the band that? Is that the band that sounds like Arctic Monkeys? Yeah, that's them. Yes, that's exactly the same band. Yeah. <laughs> No, I mean, what we've got here is much more pretentious than anything Mark and I have done. You've got yeah, like the sound of radios coming in and out. You've got fucking 
shit happening all over the place. Mad tempo changes. Oof. Well, I can shed some light on that radio sound. So that you may have noticed that that first song is played with a bit of slide guitar, right? Mm-hmm. But Colin definitely. You mean you say played? Yeah. <laughs> Colin was in absolutely no way up to the task of playing slide guitar at that point, right? And so what happened was when the slide guitar was simply too horrendous to allow anyone to hear, um, we we just faded up this like radio noise and the problem was we didn't really have the, the ability to because the track was sort of like a stereo file so it wasn't like we could go in and just pull bits of it out or even you know correct it it was just there A big chunk recorded in a converted toilet at random rhythms <laughs> down in Stirling, and um, yeah, it was it, it was pretty brutal. Um, it was inventive though, inventive. It was done on an eight track. It was inventive. A Tascam. Uh, I don't recall the brand, but the, I mean, does it have the typical acoustics of Tascam? You'd yeah, I'm, I'm feeling Tascam. <laughs> yeah, that warmth. Um, no, that the, the the edits in it and all the things were really uh, a matter of necessity. Uh, that that sort of became a feature though, because we did a song uh, a wee bit later that was like it gave us an idea for a song called Thousand Trees. It was about the Rwandan genocide, and we used radio stuff for that. Um, but yeah, I mean, it does sound pretentious, but also we were really torn between loving Nirvana, loving Tool. Loving Mogwai, loving like a bunch of quite disparate influences. Colm's a huge REM fan. He liked Pearl Jam, you know. So at that point, had you been listening to Slint? No, I didn't really know who Slint were at that point, honestly. But I guess if the Slint thing's there, it's probably via Mogwai. Yeah. But um, I think we we were co-writing at that point as well. So there's a couple of tracks on there that are his. There's a couple of tracks on there that are well. There's a bunch of tracks on there that are mine. There's a couple that are band ones. Um. And we had been, me and Colin especially, had been dabbling in like demos and stuff before we'd got that sort of definitive lineup with Rich and Greg in the band as well. Um, and Rich picked up drums really quick, but this was pretty early on for him as well. So we were asking him to do stuff. He was a big Radiohead fan, despite being an absolute bam Ned motherfucker that, you know, you only ever really saw him when he was throwing something at a bus um, mm-hmm. and he'd, he'd kind of wave at you and then bottle the window. Like, despite being that guy, he was really into Radiohead and really into some really cool music. So he was trying to get adjusted to this style of stuff. And he did, he did do really well quickly and he was still a really young guy as well, but... Yeah, it was a tall order. Yeah, the first two songs are clearly a piece together, right? Like, supposed to be played back to back, yeah. They huh? became that. They, they, they weren't necessarily... I actually really liked that second song. It was, a set, it was the easiest fucking riff in the world. Fucking lay! Fucking lay! Fucking lay! Yeah, fuck the way they let you die! Every time! Memories won't break you! It's quite sort of negative, creepy, sort of... Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That sort of thing, yeah. It was sort of like no limitations. None of us were particularly amazing, but we could make it sound more than it was and just do maximum energy. It worked really well live, that one, especially the ending. Yeah, and it, it was it was just fun. It was easy to play. And we were a really animated band live. You know, like half of the show was in the, the histrionics because I was dead into at the driving and stuff like that. So half the show was in us throwing ourselves off fucking things. And if you were playing nice, simple 
hand movements where you could still hold the neck of your guitar as you were tumbling off the stage, then it was it was kind of better. So there's a lot of that in it as well. Why? You can also hear that I just for discovered Queens of the Stone Age on this record. <laughs> there's one, there's one tune in particular. Why 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 is this song why Statesman like six minutes long? <laughs> <laughs> because uh, I got really into Trail of Dead, um, and Trail of Dead did that thing where they would lapse into periods of like experimental stuff in the midst of like quite succinct punky tunes and so we kind of wanted to kind of keep the doors open in case that was the thing we wanted to do later on Pigeonhole ourselves too much. You can tell that that song was a bit newer than the couple that followed it, which were much more like Chris in his bedroom at the age of 14 trying to write something that could have been on Incesticide. <laughs> yeah, yeah, another absolutely. nice thought. That's definitely Incesticide. kids stuff yeah two minutes although I'd, I can start hearing the Queens of Stone Age lead guitar maybe a little bit um, I think you're being too generous but okay <laughs> I think the I think on, on Statesman like and another nice thought I think the, the vocals are very they remind me of Bushman <laughs> Um, yes, well, we've, we've we've established that when I was younger, I did quite like Bush. Uh, yeah, I'm, I, the American accent, we've all done it. Yeah, I mean, Colin was bad for that as well. We were both bad for that, and we both got called out on it quite a few times. I thought Don't Fade is quite interesting. The bass is actually the bass fall on the guitars is actually quite cool, and it feels a bit more Melvinsy than Nirvana. But that's probably yeah, you know what? Say. In hindsight, right. I really wish we'd really slowed that down. But we were mm. too young, you know. We were just fucking like yeah. You, I, it was literally let's get to the end of the song as fast as possible. Quite often. absolutely. It's it's a shitty song, but it would have worked if we'd sludged it up. But we just it reminds there's argument era Fugazi on the clean guitar. That, yeah, it's interesting because yeah, either you take that song and you turn it and you pare it down, you take the distortion off and you don't try and make it grunge, or you sludge it down and you make it really sludgy. You do like nowadays with hindsight. If you're going to do that, which you probably wouldn't, but if you're going to do that, you do something more interesting with it. But honestly, that, that that has to be maybe well, I don't know, maybe the second or third tune, complete tune I ever wrote. I mean, I was honestly in my parents house on a Sony cassette player recording that on a nylon string guitar and I could play one fingered at a time you know it was really basic so <laughs> that that was one of those ones that sticks about way longer than it probably should as well because it really dated as you know the, the whole 
you guys are a shit Nirvana. You're like, no, no, we're a very shit Nirvana. <laughs> <laughs> it's got, it's got, it's got um, quite a cool, noisy guitar solo, which is not terribly played. It's actually pretty cool. Thanks. I, I believe that was me that not terribly played it. <laughs> um, yeah, and then it's revolving after that, which is quite a playful intro, actually. So that's... This is one of Colin's tunes, and Colin was coming at it much more from a kind of like yield, uh, no code era, Pearl Jam, uh, REM sort of side of things. And then the rest of us, Colin's songs used to be a bit too soft for us, so we'd try and muddy them up a wee bit and make them a wee bit harder. So they ended up a wee bit dirty, but that wasn't necessarily his fault, it was just different sensibilities meeting. In the long run, Colin kind of stopped writing songs out and out. Um, there was a song called Legacy, and they were kind of like his, they were kind of popular, a bit like that fucking awful song that Dave played that was popular lies we didn't actually like them there was a lot of my songs we didn't like we didn't like Don't Fade for example but they were recognisable to your like school chums and so you ended up playing them longer than you probably should have mm-hmm. you know eh, what you gotta do it's fucking Re- hindsight Revolving gives me a bit of a Dinosaur Junior vibe in the vocal but that's probably via R.E.M. That's him singing. Yeah, it's probably via REM, I guess, because I don't know if you'd be listening to Dinosaur Junior back then. I was, I I've never liked Dinosaur Junior, man. Honestly, like I've been to see them and everything, and they were fucking shit. <laughs> There's a guitar tone, the, the, the clean guitar, and it sounds like a twelve string as well, which is which I thought was a bit strange. I don't know if that's just a production thing. But... I don't think we even knew you could get twelve string guitars at that point, but. Um, no, it's probably just a pedal or maybe like a, an overdub where things mm-hmm. weren't tuned properly. Yeah. It's probably more likely. Yeah, probably. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, see Jody when confronted. What's the fucking deal with that song title? Right, um, so Josephine was my flatmate for years and that's she was actually on the cover of the CD, it's like one of my best friends, um, I was her bridesmaid, uh, in fact me and Colin were both her bridesmaids when she got married to John um, and it was just, I can't remember how Jodie became shorthand, I don't know if it was like a mistyped text, but it was some obscure fucking in-joke reference to like some, when we shared the flat are you going to change the fucking toilet or some fuck knows I can't even remember now and it was just like we need a title we'll call it Jodie when confronted then we kind of dedicated it to her and she was like a really she still is a really good friend of the band uh, or the members of the band and um, yeah you know what I really fucking like this tune to this day
we played it like shit we, it's not well executed but it betrays like it's when I was listening to Queens of Stone Age we brought the vocals down a notch we didn't play it live very often but it, you could hear that we were trying harmonies you could hear that we were mm-hmm. trying to do stuff that's a little bit more complex and I think if we'd done it again years later it could actually have been reasonably tasty It's still the only bit in this whole fucking thing that I'll, well no, it's still one of the only bits in this that I look back on and be like, ah yeah, that's we had some ambition at least. And then all this time Oh god, that, that, I think that's probably the first song I wrote for the band, and it's one that should have been jettisoned way sooner than it was. But I mean, it is just Nirvana, and it? it's like, yeah, yeah which yeah. one is it? Well, I mean, it's quite a few. <laughs> it's really, it's really, it's all and none. Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, it's like a whole bunch of fucking clippings that maybe Kurt Cobain would have swept off his floor. It's, it's, it's obviously wearing our influences a bit too, too apparently. <laughs> it's, it's almost catchy. It's almost, it's almost hooky. It could, I mean, I Aye, think definitely. Was... And the, the harmonies kind of work. In yeah, a, yeah. Uh-huh. Nirvana way. <laughs> you guys are way nicer to me than I was to you. This is sort of punishing. I, I don't no, think, I, don't I think, mean, I don't think you were. still. <laughs> <laughs> Still shite, you know. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, uh, yeah. I mean, let's 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 be clear. All right. Uh, I mean, that's been fun. What whatever came of these bands? Like, I have a feeling, Chris, your band actually grew and became a proper band and got offered a record deal and shit. We did a thing, yeah. We we like uh, we did two full albums. We've since done like a couple of one-offs, singles and stuff for charity. Uh, we recorded our second album in the states. We cut Baloo Converge. pleased with it but we never really we were always super DIY started our own label put on our own shows this is where my whole fascination with DIY came from and as a result being honest in hindsight we kind of cut our noses off a bit despite our face we we passed up a couple of offers for deals and ended up putting out our own stuff to kind of it deserved a better response, especially the record we did with, with Kurt, because I was really happy with that, and it, it just still sits, you know, there's still probably about four million copies sitting in my parents' loft, mm-hmm. if, I, if I can work up the courage to go and look. But yeah, it became like a long-term concern for us, and also it was one of those bands where like the people that were involved in it became really, really close, you know? Mm. 
We had a lot of people pass through the ranks, especially on base for a long time. We had some really, really good adventures we got around Europe and it sort of set the scene for, oh, probably got me my job that I do now and uh, put me on the track for that and then it also set the scene for the bands that I do now. And I mean, it's, as I said, we've once in a blue moon. A good legacy. Aye. Yeah, once in a blue moon, done a thing for charity and it's that's not to say we, we, we won't at some point again. But it's not a going concern. It's not a full-time, yeah. you know, thing. Mark, whatever became of your guys? Uh, we just stopped playing. Uh, I've, I, I'd always had aspirations to be a band that did a lot of tours. Did you gig much? Yeah, we, we played a few gigs. We played quite a few gigs. We, we actually, one of my favourite bands, as, as, as long-term fans will know, is uh, A Willem Scream. Uh, and we actually were able to support them at King Tut's because Ants, his uh, friend, was a booker and it was like he was leaving and he just he just put us on supporting them, mm. which is which is really fucking cool. I'm pretty sure I saw you guys. Honestly, uh, it's probably did. We were quite animated live as well. Um, it's all about just how it felt, you know. And uh, we just kind of well, I didn't grow up. We grew apart musically. I, I've I've always, I'd always wanted to be in a band with people that were on the same wavelength and wanted to do things like touring. It wasn't those guys, and then I stopped. After that band broke up, I kind of stopped being involved in music for a while, but I started to get involved in other things, started a record label, and then I got involved with a band called Sitagazi. I played with for a while Good band um, They yeah. were a great band I uh, played bass for them And The guitar player Of that band uh, I ended up forming False Hopes With him And my flatmate Craig Who I met Because he was in another band So that was a ton of fun, man. Some of the records we did with them are some of my favourite things I've ever done, man. You can get them all on Spotify if you want to listen. We're a really aggressive hardcore, really fast. I really like False Hopes. You did that monthly single release for the year and then... Yeah. Like, Don't fucking do that. Released that record. <laughs> but that record was fucking top-notch. Yeah, but like, oh, the, the story, but... Uh. Do you want me to go into the story? I, I, I don't know if it's, there's time for telling the story, but... Future, future episode. Man. Yeah, just, we did a single a month for the whole year of 2016 and we, we started off with two songs and ended up with 12 in the end of it and it was one of the most stressful things we've ever done. Um, it was cool, it got some attention, but we ended up not following up because our bass player left. And I'm in a band called O'Rain, which, I, again, I find myself working with some people who I'd never met before and I never thought were musical and... Yeah, it's a, a good fun time. Orange's way different, way different from anything else I've done. Music before. for sad boys, sad men. Okay. <laughs> uh, and David uh, Dimmer when was there last show you guys did the hydro just prior to lockdown is that yeah, right yeah. Uh, yeah well what happened was we actually had to leave high school and then that was it <laughs> fuck man what a fucking what, what a buzzkill that was man yeah I know 
coming from Allness, we were DIY, 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 do yourself it, do yourself in. We used to we we had to put our own shows on in like village halls and stuff like that. We literally, I wouldn't know, I didn't know what a promoter was or what a fucking yeah, you still don't sound engineer was. We just like borrowed a PA, plugged it all in, and just made made it sound all right. I think, but um. And just played to our pals in fucking village halls. Uh, we did start to get proper gigs booked in Inverness and stuff. And then uh, our singer glassed a guy. And then we were banned <laughs> from the, the whole town. No oh, man. And then cool. we had to split up. We actually, we got a big feature in the Rochard Journal. Um, is that an academic journal? Is that like a, yeah. is that a peer, yeah, yeah, peer yeah. reviewed? <laughs> peer reviewed. Um, and the night, so basically a bunch of guys started a fight with our singer our singer retaliated by chucking a pint glass at the general group of them one of them got that like smack in the face and like ended up getting loads of stitches and stuff uh and he was recognized from the fact that we had a big half page spread in the press and ju- in the Rochard journal that week <laughs> like the guy went you know to the doctors or whatever and then it was like wait a minute that's the fucking guy that glassed me so your you know fame was your downfall yeah infamy fucking so, um, hell man that is a, it's an age old story I know that's it with violence and blood and thunder <laughs> so uh, yeah so uh, what about it. that that engineer that he's worked with though he must have gone on to some pretty big things uh, yeah what's his name again um Oh, I'll, I can't remember his you name. You told us this in the fucking Christmas episode. I can't remember what it was. And it was hilarious. I oh can't remember god. where I was. So. Oh my god! Well, you'll have to go back and listen. But yeah, he's, he he lives in legend. He had a mental name. He had a mental name. Like it was. Aye, it was yeah, just you're right. Pure weird. Yeah, Doctor Luke. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I mean that was fun. It was fun. Yeah, yeah, we took it tight. That's all in it on. Uh, Good cause. Uh, okay, so if you absolutely nobody's got to do this now that we've done that, but if you want to send your demo in for a similar treatment, and it's got to be a demo, it can't be like a yeah professionally yeah. recorded thing. It can't be like your fourth EP. It's like this is a fucking high school or very early demo of your first band or whatever. Don't do a mark where like your first and you whatever demo suddenly go missing. And oh, I don't know where it I, is. I could, I could oh, never find man. it. I, you know, uh, I actually yeah, went yeah, in MySpace yeah, yeah. to to get yeah. it because I thought it would still be in MySpace and obviously MySpace was deleted. That so, was yeah. kind of shit, by the way, because we had some stuff that we'd uploaded in MySpace mm. that for whatever reason we'd lost since, and you can still see the link, but you can't get the audio. Exactly, exactly. It was yeah. the same thing for me, man. Um, I was going to say there's a definitely at least two people that've been in this podcast before who definitely have demos. <laughs> <laughs> from the first bands that could contribute. I don't want to name any names, but we've named Tears after you on Patreon. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, actually, that's true. I, I, I really don't think Craig comes out of that looking good. You probably, probably slam our 20 doses of LSD and check him into the hospital. Um, right, okay. Cool. Good stuff. Send us your demos. We'd like to make ourselves feel better by taking the piss at you. Yeah, that would yeah. be a joy. Specifically if you're if you're Ameri- if you're American, if you're Swedish, if you're Canadian, fucking send that shit to us. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, troops, well that was fun. Thanks, guys. That was you know what that was? Oh, that was Demolition. Demolition. <laughs>